There is one piece of hockey news, officially not official, as they say in the media biz, uh, that's been going around for about a month, and that was Willie Nylander getting paid and staying with the Maple Leafs. That has now happened. But the biggest story we're going to be talking about this week is the piece of news that absolutely no one in any market saw coming. Episode 395 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. We are going to be talking about a trade that's probably going to be talked about 10 years from now and years beyond that. And the unceremonious exit that led to this trade. Yeah. A trade between the Philadelphia Flyers and Anaheim Ducks. No, it's not uh, Joffrey Lupul getting traded for Chris Pronger <laughs> again. It's uh, Cutter Gauthier, an unsigned Flyers prospect, uh, going to the Ducks because he didn't want to play for the team that drafted him, Brett. Yeah, well, it's uh, I've seen a lot of the Eric Lindros karma takes out there, uh, famously in case anyone doesn't yep. know. Um, back when Eric Lindros was, he was like considered to be the next Gretzky at the time. But, uh, the, yeah, the next one is what yeah. he was nicknamed, yeah. Um, but then uh, the Quebec Nordiques had the first overall pick, and um, Lindros famously just didn't want to play there. However, the Nordiques did end up drafting him, um, and then uh, they subsequently um, traded Lindros to the Nordiques. And um, I forget the full deals, of, of course you know, but I know... Like, Peter Forsberg was involved. I think, like, there was some... Like, I I, I know Steve Dangle did a, a trade tree on this, but this was, like... Oh, the trade tree, if yeah. you haven't seen Steve Dangle's trade tree, it's oh. nuts how yeah, yeah. much the Nordiques Avs but franchise got it, from that. Um, basically, you can talk and I'll find it basically kick-started that whole dynasty of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Just purely because Peter Forsberg was in there. And what's, what's even crazier is that, like, Eric Lindros was actually, like, pretty good in Philadelphia he just got concussed a lot but yeah it's like um so in a way the Ducks are benefiting from uh, a player who uh the Flyers drafted um but doesn't want to sign there um of course it's a different situation because it's not like Cutter Gauthier was uh on the Connor Bedard type level or anything like that but um, it's still. So I had I have the uh, trade uh, for Eric Lindros. Okay. Uh, Eric Lindros only going to Philly. Yep. And what's interesting is that uh, the Rangers also made a deal with the Nordiques yep. uh, while this uh, was being uh, uh, materialized between the Nordiques and Flyers. I yep. guess the GM made one trade and the owner made another trade. That's how messed up Quebec was at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it went to an arbitrator, and the arbitrator side with the Flyers. So going to Quebec and Lair, Colorado, Steve Duchesne, Lair became a sense legend. Uh, Peter Forsberg, you mentioned. Ron Hextall, oh, for right. a brief period, was in Quebec. Um, I don't think he really liked it there, though, and eventually went back to Philly. Uh, Kerry Huffman, Mike Ricci, a guy you've probably heard of in the 90s. Yep. Uh, 
$15 million in cash, one of those rare big money cash. Yeah. Uh, and that was infusions. a big deal because this was before the salary cap. So that was like a big deal too. Yeah, especially yep. to Quebec because I don't think their finances were that great either. Right, right. Uh, also for a Canadian market, that was huge too. Yep. Uh, 1993 first round pick that was uh, later turned into Jocelyn Thibault. Uh, speaking of trades that eventually happened, he was traded for Patrick Waugh. Oh, that's so, right. Okay, yeah. I knew Patrick Waugh was somehow involved with this trade tree. I just yeah, didn't know and, that. And, that, and that's why. Okay. Uh, future considerations that uh, turn into um, Chris Simon, another guy you've probably heard of. Mm-hmm. A 1994 first-round pick as well that was uh, turned into Nolan Baumgartner. That was 10th overall. Oh wow! Okay, so so yeah, that yeah, that was the return. Like you got yeah. a handful of assets, and just by trading one guy. Yeah, that's crazy. And like you know, two of the core guys of that Avalanche team with Forsberg and Patrick Waugh. So yeah, Forsberg yeah. and Patrick Waugh are Hall of Fame yeah. caliber players. Yeah, I mean, but like at the same time, Eric Lindros was is also in the Hall of Fame. He just got concussions yeah. and all that. He stuff. He made it to the finals with yeah. uh, Philly, unfortunately. Like yep. Colorado, uh, Detroit got in his way, and yep. uh, he never won a Stanley Cup, and that's I mean, yeah, it. obviously, like Colorado got the better end of that deal, but like Philadelphia also um, benefited with Eric Lundqvist, of course, too. So, um, <clears throat> anyways, um, however, uh, Cutter Gutierrez, yeah, he's not, he doesn't have the same amount of hype as Eric Lundqvist did back in the day, but he was, having said all that, he was a fifth overall pick in twenty twenty two. And um, in his first year in Boston College, uh, he had uh, 37 points in 32 games. We'll get into uh, the, uh, more of it, more of like, because uh, like with that stat, like he was like the second best player in college last year behind Adam Fantilli. And he was like kind of like too good to play college hockey for another year. Um, but, and I'll get into that in a second. Um, and then, uh, this year he has 26 points in 19 games. Also, um, he led, we, we actually talked about Cutter Gauthier, uh, last week as well. Cause we were mentioning the world juniors. He, uh, led, he tied for the lead in, uh, the world juniors with 12 points in seven games. He also was a big reason why team USA won the gold medal in the world juniors. I'm just always going to mention that whenever um, I talk about Cutter Gauthier. Um, and um, anyways, so yeah, he gets traded to um, Philadelphia because there were reports that, um, and now we get into like the drama stuff. Cause I feel like there's like two parts of this trade that makes it really interesting is like, yeah, this is actually, <clears throat> um, we'll get into Jamie Drysdale in a second too, but like there, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Well, I, I probably have. I just am not thinking of it. But the Flyers traded Cutter Gauthier away. This is a guy who hasn't even played a single game for them. Um, he hasn't even signed for them. And they, the Flyers immediately trash him. Um, and um, they say that um, Gauthier was, uh, just didn't sign him. Uh, supposedly, this started, this is according to uh, Elliot Friedman, um, it started when Cutter <clears throat> um, wanted to sign after his freshman year of college. As I just mentioned, he was like too good uh, for college hockey. 
um, and he thought that like he could get a pro roster, but the Flyers just didn't want to do that. Uh, they claim quote unquote overages, um, and I don't know. I feel like that's that was just an excuse basically, um, and then um, and then it was kind of a little bit of like a red flag because Cutter Gauthier um, then just missed Dev Camp. Um, which I, I guess was being reported on at the time, but we're like, okay, don't worry about it or whatnot. Um, what was kind of, what then kind of was like drawing the line um, was also apparently that um, the Flyers, there was a report and it was confirmed true that the Flyers did want to get the fifth overall pick from Montreal this in this year's draft to draft uh, David Reinbacker, but the Montreal Canadiens just didn't want to do that for whatever reason. Um, so, like, they were slyly trying to trade Cutter Gauthier um, even before this World Junior stuff came out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then he gets the MVP in the World Juniors, but supposedly uh, he refused to talk to both Daniel Briere and Ken Jones, um, who's the president of Hockey Operations, um, and that was supposedly the final straw. Um, <clears throat> and then it gets like it gets crazier and crazier. It's already a crazy story right now. Keith Jones, by the way, not oh. Ken. Yeah, I don't know why I said Ken Jones. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, and then, yeah, Philly fans went hard on Cutter over social media. Um, and then um, the Flyers CEO... The, then it gets crazy because, like, as soon as this trade happens, um, the Flyer CEO speculates that it's because of Kevin Hayes. Um, if you remember, uh, first off, Kevin Hayes uh, and Cutter, uh, also went to BC. He was drafted in the first round, although not a not a fifth overall pick. I think he was in the twenties or something. Um, apparently, Kevin Hayes was good friends with Cutter Gauthier back when Kevin Hayes. Um, were on the Flyers, but um, but then uh, the Flyer CEO just said like, "Oh, this has Kevin Hayes's um, uh, fingerprints all over it uh, to that effect." And then uh, Kevin Hayes like had to come out and say like, "Oh, I was not involved with that. Like, yeah, I did not get along with Torts, uh, but like I would not do that at all because they thought like, oh, Kevin Hayes probably told Cutter Gauthier to do that." Even if that was true, it's such a weird motive for Kevin Hayes to do. He also said that, like, people were... Torts also bashed a reporter yeah. who reported on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is good for Torts, because, like, Torts also admitted, like, hey, me and Kevin Hayes didn't get along, but, like, that guy, I, like, I respect the hell out of him, which is, like, so, like, I, I, I got so much, like, added respect to Torts, and it's, like, it was reminiscence mm -hmm. of, like, Torts, um blasting uh brooksy back in the day when he was the rangers coach. yeah he'll always yeah. protect his players yeah. even if he really annoys his players yeah kind of like uh and sir alice ferguson with manchester united yeah yeah and uh, not to mention the fact that like he admitted that he didn't get along with kevin hayes in that <laughs> conference and he still like was like hey come on don't do that come on man yeah. uh so like i i have so much more respect for torts it's like yeah we we didn't get along but like come on man you, you don't do that also the kevin hayes trade happened in june and apparently yeah. the first instance where there might have been a rift yeah was back in may when the world championships happened so yeah. the timeline really doesn't add up unless True. um 
it yeah. was pretty evident between Cutter Gochi and Kevin Hayes yeah. that Kevin Hayes was, it also, you like, know, yeah. and he did it like really deep into trade talks that he was probably going to get moved. It also, it doesn't there, even really make I, sense. But it's just weird that, yeah. like, the Flyer CEO even said something like this because it's, like, you, it would be one thing if, like, one of me, like one of us said it or, like, just a random fan said this because, like, we don't know. But, like, the Flyer CEO says this. It's, like, the you CEOs should know. always get the loudest yeah. comments, like uh, yeah. Jim Lights about Jamie Benn and Tyler yeah. Sagan a couple of yeah. years ago when yeah. he, he said uh, words that we shall not repeat on this yeah. podcast because we'd have to probably bleep it out. Probably, probably. But... He said they were they were garbage. Yeah, yeah. For lack of a better term, um, and then uh, but then back to this whole story. We that's the it for Kevin Hayes. He was somehow involved, but he shouldn't have been. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, Philly fans went hard on Cutter over social media. I was like taking a look at Cutter's Instagram. It's like all these comments of like how um, like. You're going to be booed. It's going to be a tough time in Philly or whatever. Um, and all that stuff. In, like, whatever. It's kind of crazy. Uh, Daniel, Thankfully, he's in another conference and he only yeah. plays in Philly once a year. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Danny Briere and Ken Jones were more rational when uh, talking about this instead of the Flyer CEO, um, who I don't even know the name of that guy and we shouldn't even mention his name. Um, even if you do know it, Steve, um, they uh, think apparently they were shopping him around because it was kind of like uh, no one really like knew that Cutter Gauthier was around. But like, I, I'm just thinking like, like if like it's not like it was an open secret, like it, it should have been an open secret if like that would be concerning if Cutter wasn't in dev camp and a lot of people knew that he wasn't there. Yeah. Hot tip there. to whoever yeah. had to keep this under wraps, yeah. by the way, because no one heard a damn thing. Yeah. And he was nowhere to be seen throughout yeah. all of this. Like, right. how did they keep this under wraps for so long? Right. That, that too. It's also just strange because it's like, yeah, if you were actually looking into it, it's like, oh, right. Of course. Like there was something here because Cutter missed dev camp and you like there probably was some speculation of like oh they tried to trade him in Montreal or something like that it's just it feels weird and so Cutter yeah. Goche and Cole Caulfield just ripping goals for the Habs I can't yeah. even imagine right right so um yeah two Americans on Montreal <laughs> yeah. uh, makes me sick two American snipers on a Canadian team just uh, yeah I, like, I'm, like I'm like I'm about to vomit almost. Um, <laughs> and then, um, so anyways, uh, yeah, so they, they said like, um, they were thankful that other teams were for being respectful about it. Um, Torts also said that he wouldn't know Cutter from a hole in the wall, which is kind of crazy too, because like Torts did know, like there was reports that Cutter did train with Torts, like they, they have actually had practice, and there was, like, reports that Torts was really excited about, uh, like, when he comes up in the league. So it's just, like, it's a strange thing to say. You just that's wanted, like, that's well, just classic yeah, Torts moving classic. on. He's like, I'd rather talk yeah. about my guys. And he mentions yeah. Jamie Drysdale, the guy yeah. who comes in to the yeah. picture. He'd rather talk about the guys that he has to work with today. Yeah. That's just Torts just saying... He's not on my team anymore. I'm not worried about him. He's not rent-free in my head. I'm worried about my own guys. Yeah, so uh, what was interesting here, 
And uh, and now we'll get into general thoughts. We'll also talk about Jamie Drysdale and the actual hockey trade in a second too. But because there is some drama here, it feels like like yeah, J- uh, Jimmy VC was a big deal for not signing a couple of years ago. I mentioned Kevin Hayes had a similar situation. Blake Wheeler didn't sign with his drafted team in Arizona, and that was a high pick. Um, there's also Adam Fox. He was traded from Calgary to Carolina. He didn't. Eat, uh, Adam Fox didn't even sign with Carolina. Then he gets traded. He to, was traded for two seconds yeah. to the Rangers, and so, then he finally signed. Yeah. So this type of thing has happened with college hockey players, but it hasn't been to this degree where Calgary wasn't saying like, "How dare Adam Fox not sign me here?" And like Carolina, it was like, "How dare Adam Fox not sign here?" And granted, no one knew that Adam Fox was going to be this good. Um, and if they did, they probably would have been more upset, but. At the same time, it's like these things happen. So it's like it's weird because of that. Um, I will say what after thinking about this after a while, because I'm sure you know this is this happened last week or whatever. At this point, what's crazy to me is that there is some hypocrisy with what the Flyers are saying right now, because what uh, uh, Jones had mentioned on the presser was that they were trying to. The reason why they were trying to keep this quiet was because they wanted to protect the kid uh, by not saying anything until they... Briere treated. mentioned that as well when yeah. he was meeting with the media. Too, but, yeah. okay, fine. Like, yeah, that's respectable. But then, after you trade him, you immediately, immediately bash the kid for not signing there. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, that's, that's just uh, not... Like, that makes it, like, that's just very hypocritical. Um, I also think the other side to that is we also don't want to hurt his trade value because we spend a lot of assets and time on this guy and we want the best return value, and it works. And I imagine that that was the, like, if they had said that, then yes, I agree that that was the real reason why they traded him is because after his incredible World Juniors performance, there is, like, his stock has never been higher. And, like, who knows? He could suck on the Ducks. He, could, he might not even yep. sign for the Ducks. Um, and I would hope he does if I know, they I gave know. up that much. That, that's crazy, right? But it, it's very possible that he might not even sign there. And then it's like, so then they immediately, like, it's just like, like, they're, 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 they're being dishonest here where they're saying, like, oh, yeah, he's, uh like, like, I, I just wanted to protect the kid by not saying anything. And then they trade him, and then they're all like, well, this, like, like we shouldn't have signed this guy. It's like they're trying to do some PR thing, but it's also like it, if you read the tea leaves, it's like it doesn't add up really there. It contradicts. Exactly. And know, so that, that's, initial motive. Yeah. that's the other part, too. And it's like, like Philly fans, like, eat this up. Because uh, Philly fans are nuts. I don't know if you knew this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they They're a different Santa. breed. Famously, they booed Santa. Uh, they booed <laughs> Ben Simmons for no reason. Although I guess that makes sense because uh, he was a disappointment. But uh, but it's like this guy hasn't like you. Have, I I can guarantee you none of these Philly fans have ever seen Cutter Gauthier play. <laughs> like, like maybe maybe half of them have. But it's like. Like you're you're getting on this prospect. Like I get that he's a fifth overall pick. He has some hype to him, but it's like, 
he hasn't even played in the NHL yet. It's just kind of crazy. Um, so, so that that part's a little irks me for for sure. Um, having said that, what we were talking about is that the real reason why they wanted to be tight-lipped about this was because his draft stock or his trade stock hasn't been as high. So uh, they were thankful that, I guess, Montreal didn't tell other teams, like, hey, we, we almost got Kadri Gautia here. Um, so they, <laughs> they, you know, like, there wasn't, like, any rumors. Because otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten Jamie Drysdale. Um, before I actually get into, actually, now that that's a good reminder, uh, before I get into the actual hockey trade, do you have anything more to add to this whole drama here? Funny thing you should ask is I do. Um, (laughs) I know I might seem at countless times like uh, Steve Dangle Podcast Network simp because I reference uh, their articles (laughs) and videos a lot. And I'm going to do it again with uh, this new episode of Agent Provocateur that, oddly enough, just dropped at the time of this recording. Um, It's featuring uh, everyone's favorite agent, Alan Walsh, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent, uh, Sean Dursey's agent, to name a few. There are many other NHL players who are represented by him, and Adam Wilde of the Steve Dangle podcast. And they were talking about the Cutter Goche situation for the solid first 30 minutes or so of the podcast. And just what had led to this moment, the what what might have, you know, led Cutter Goche away from the Flyers and how everything was handled. And uh, he Allen goes on to tell this story about a Major League Baseball player. And it was 1969 going into the 1970 season. And this guy, uh, I think Kurt Flood is his name. Um, but if you want to listen to the full thing, I encourage you to go to this the SDPN YouTube channel and uh, watch the full thing. It's pretty informative. Yep. But it's about this Major League Baseball player named uh, Kurt Flood, and he goes from the St. Louis Cardinals to the Philadelphia Phillies. And I don't know if this is uh, in free agency and Philly offers a contract, uh, and this is, oddly, uh, this is actually before free mm. agency even began. And this is how free agency started is because he wrote a letter to the commissioner saying, I think I have earned the right to decide where I play baseball. In a nutshell, he said, I respect uh, the Philadelphia Phillies sending in a contract offer. I don't want to sign this contract and I don't want to play for this team. Uh, The commissioner rejected his request within a day. And I guess that led into this one big debate. And then eventually uh, we got the uh, early editions of free agency and it later became free agency as we know it. Uh, So oddly enough, uh, Philadelphia on the wrong side of history, once again, it's not just Cutter Gauthier and and the Flyers in this sense. But uh, basically his argument is, okay, in free agency, players have a a choice to decide where they want to play. And he argues, well, in the draft, like, yeah, you get drafted by a team, but just because you're drafted by a team, you don't have to play for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nine times out of ten, you know, prospects that are drafted by their teams, yeah, they want to see yeah. their NHL journey through with that team and at least play a game. The reason why the Flyers might be mad is, uh, in, in, in the words of Adam Wilde, is when 
Quebec drafted Eric Lindros. They drafted Eric Lindros knowing that if they drafted Eric Lindros, he wouldn't play for them. And they drafted him anyway. Right. With the Philadelphia Flyers, they drafted this guy who said, I was born to be a Philadelphia Flyer when he was drafted, seemed very excited to get going with the Philadelphia Flyers. Right. And then within a couple of months, they get the, the, the feeling that he doesn't want to be a Flyer because he says, I don't want to be a Flyer and I don't want to sign. And uh, to go from, you know, a very talented prospect who they've invested a lot of time and money in, a guy um, in his uh, draft year was so good defensively and, you know, with a six foot two build, 194 mm. pounds, they like the way he plays the game. Incredibly efficient offensive player. The Flyers love that because they need goal scoring, Dodge Dart. In a darn center, it. yeah. They, yeah, and he and can this play was also, He also plays the wing, too. Yeah, yeah. And this was also around the time when Sean Couturier was injured and we didn't know yep. if Couturier would ever play again. So that that was also there, too. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's yeah. he's willing to drive the puck to the net. Yep. Uh, he protects the puck nicely when he chooses to do so. Everyone loves good puck management. Yep. He seems to be the ideal fit for them, and they invest all this time and money you look at the stats at every level at Boston College. He's been over a point per game player. He yeah. has 14 goals in 19 games this year. Uh, he, like you said, he killed it in the World Juniors as an assistant. He was good last year too. With USA, yeah. he won gold, and he only, oddly enough, he scored only two goals in those seven yeah. games, but he still got 12 points because he was a good puck distributor. Yeah. He got 10 assists in that tournament. Yep. Um, and he got seven goals in 10 games uh, in the previous. Uh, Actually, in the World uh, Championships, I believe he got seven goals in ten games yeah. with USA, which is oh, no, no. even yeah. more impressive. Yeah, yeah. And then he had a ten points in seven games in the World Juniors last year as well. As I yeah, which I would argue, like seven goals in two games in a tournament yeah. amongst men is. Yeah. I don't know which is more impressive. Yeah, I would argue yeah. World Championship numbers no, that's a good point. are even more impressive. In yeah. any case, with that kind of potential and what you see in front of you and all of the assets you have put in front of him to be the best possible player for him to not only say i don't want to be a flyer anymore to completely ghosting the team every chance he gets or so it seems i can understand why as a flyers personnel member yeah why i would be pissed off at that because if you're the Philadelphia Flyers, you're about to lose a pretty darn good, talented young player who is just about to turn 20 in a couple of days after this recording. Mm -hmm. Happy belated birthday, Cutter, if you happen to notice this. <laughs> um, but there's there's also this uh, thing called hindsight leading up to this whole thing yeah. where the Flyers were terrible at asset management from not being able to clear up cap space for James Van Reen, for James Van Reensdyke trade, uh, for not clearing up that cap space even sooner to have a chance at the Johnny Gaudreau sweepstakes, right. a guy that a lot of Flyers fans probably wanted on their team. In hindsight, mm -hmm. maybe it's good they didn't get Johnny Gaudreau. But at the time, he's a star player, and they like star players. Yeah. And why didn't they get the star player? Oh, they suck at, at asset management. In fairness. So narrative of the flyers are bad at asset management once again 
with the exception of to the point, oh, by the way, he was never going to play. In okay, fairness, well, then there's nothing Philly can do. In fairness, this was before Denny Briere was the GM. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, GM, and Denny Briere has been pretty smart ever since he got it. And I, once we start talking about the trade, it's like, yeah, he did actually get uh, a pretty good deal for someone who's not who wasn't going to play there. Um, so, so there's that as well, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like we should say that Denny Briere wasn't up the GM at the time of that, at that point. But just looking at how things unraveled for the Flyers last year, I don't buy it as just as simple as I didn't want to play for the Philadelphia Flyers because I didn't like the coach. Yeah. And that's a theory that's been 100% oh, yeah, yeah. disputed by his agent as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I don't buy that either, yeah. Also, yeah, it's like, okay. Torts almost got fired, like, last year. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like, so... by the time uh, Cutter Gauthier was even going to play for them, there was, like, Torts might not have even been there. It's like There must you know, have been an event yeah. that happened that we'll probably never know about, but... There yeah, were a lot of I, events on ice and off ice that happened where Cutter Gauthier said, I'm not sure if this is right for me anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'm not bo- meant to be a flyer anymore. I, and we'll probably, at the very least, for the next decade plus, we won't know what that yeah. event was, or we may never know yeah. uh, what that event was. In the in case of Eric Lindros, he didn't like the Nordiques owner that came out. Yeah. It wasn't a Quebec thing. I hate yeah. Quebec. It was, Cutter, I, I hate the owner, and I'm never playing for on, this. On that note, Cutter did go on a Ducks podcast uh, this week, and he did mention that he just wants to keep things private from his family and all. Um, mm-hmm. So so we'll probably, like, he may eventually mention what, what happened, but it might be, like, as you're saying, there, it might be there after There is probably a over. bigger reason in all I, of this that's beyond every single hockey yeah. fan's... Um, quandary of i need to know what happened yeah and the simple thing is you don't need to know and you're not going to know yeah i guess so a few things that you mentioned here that i want to touch on uh one i i think it's it's interesting here because like let's say connor bedard is just like hey you know what like after the kyle beach situation i just don't want to sign with this organization on the blackhawks you know, um, and I feel like he would be vilified in Chicago, um, but it's his right because, like, that's what Eric Lindros did. Um, however, it's like you know he played for the W in the WHL. Um, I assume I, I'm not really sure what he would be able to do if he. I guess he would just have to like not play hockey um, in the. I guess the CHL could. I guess. He probably would just go back to the WHL if he didn't sign with the Blackhawks. Um, but it's like, there, there is like a certain like luxury for if you're in the NCAA or if you're in the KHL where you don't have to sign right away uh, to, to be in that league. Um, and I'm sure that's a big draw for a lot of these people in order to like, if you're deciding between going to the CHL or going to college. Um, mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it is kind of interesting, too, because it's like all these 30 te- 32 teams in the NHL on draft day, they're like, they're, they can, they get to pick and choose like 500 
18 year old's future basically and um and they and all these players have no like say in the matter i mean yeah maybe they like don't inter- purposely don't interview well with teams that they don't want to go to they do have some control there but ultimately um like you know a lot of teams and it seems like this is what happened here in philly is like philly probably was like you know what like maybe this guy won't sign here but he's been so good i think we can convince him to sign here eventually when it's time Mm -hmm. and yeah and i so i think they were were hoping he would change his mind that's exactly what Breer said to your point and and yeah i guess you could get to the fact that like sure you're right there's probably more to the story that we'll ever know or we'll eventually know but like once cutter gochier's career is over um we'll probably know but like the fact that like if what if what they're saying is true um and you you put it nicely of like i can see why the flyers are upset with cutter gochier and and doing all this stuff but on the other hand if you take it from cutter's point of view he and if everything if everything that Elliot Freeman has been saying is true and um, even what Briere and Jones are saying is true, the fact that like I could see why Cutter Gauthier is uh, upset too. He like killed it in college. Um, he killed it in the World Championship. He killed it in the World Juniors that year. Like yeah, he, he may like he deserves a right to be on or try to be on the pro roster. And it is kind of strange for the Flyers to be like, oh, yeah, they, they just make this, like, excuse of saying, like, overages. Like, what does that even mean, really? And it's just, like, maybe it's just that they didn't want to burn a year of his contract, which just makes me think that, like, oh, they were just, they didn't want him to play on the pro year because I guess, because uh, then there's, like, you know, uh, his contract, that means that they have to worry about his contract a year after or a year before than they actually wanted to um or something like that which i think might be the real reason but at the same time it's like cutter gauthier if if he is as good as you hyped him up to be like he is like he's playing like he's too good for college he's too good like as evidenced by the world juniors and as evidenced by all this stuff that we're talking about um so like the fact that like like, maybe he just was upset about being in Lehigh. I can see why Cutter Gauthier is like, you know what? Like, I, I told Philly that I didn't want to sign here. And um, and then in the World Juniors, like, yeah, maybe it's a little immature to, to ghost and not talk to Briere or uh, Jones uh, during the World Juniors, which, by the way, isn't a requirement for anyone there. In fact, I was, Jeff Merrick was saying that a lot of, countries um or teams uh like tell teams to not contact their uh prospects because they uh, it's just a distraction for them um so it's not a requirement that you have to talk to anyone in your nhl team that drafted you that when you're there in world juniors because it could just be that oh cutter is just like so focused on winning the gold medal for team usa and obviously it worked so, so it is a little immature, but at the same time, he's 19 years old right now, so he, I can cut him some slack. But at the same time, it's like he told the Flyers that he didn't want to sign there. There was clearly some riff with um, him 
not signing right away. And uh, that was clearly something that was upsetting to him. So it's like, he doesn't like, yeah, I can see why the Flyers are upset, but I can also see why Cutter is also upset too at this situation. Um, yeah, um, I I just fear that this reputation could follow him around. Oh, where oh, it definitely if he, will. If he if he pushes back, you know, after his entry level contract yeah. up, and it becomes like a contract holdout, it's just like, oh, here we go oh, again. Didn't yeah. want to play for the team that drafted him. Now he's fighting for his next contract. Oh, it definitely will follow him. I I'm not saying that too. It's like it's following Pierre Luc Dubois' career. Uh, yeah, right now true um and uh there's probably other examples too that i'm not thinking of right now but what like, i will also caution to carter is jonathan Druin eventually got everything he wanted true. he got a big contract even got to play for the team he grew up cheering for yep and look how his career has gone since the trade out of tampa true not but, like anyone planned well it's not like he was great in tampa anyways but yeah i i get your point mm. but I, the last year he was pretty good and yeah. you know yeah. there were there were definitely times where yeah. he, he showed flashes of what he could be but the second tampa thought he was expendable after everything that happened they yeah. shipped him out for mikhail sergachev and tampa looks like geniuses yeah i will say that the sergachev for drew trade is probably the closest comparable to this type of deal too because drysdale was also a high draft pick too um, yeah. So it also like a, a disgruntled forward traded for a defenseman. Um, so yeah, it could have the similar uh, uh, thing, but it also is kind of different too. Just because it's like they didn't tra- like Tampa didn't trash Drouin um, after they traded him. Um, it was a little bit of a different situation because Drouin was already in the league um, at that point. Um, all right, so let's get into the actual trade here um we'll mm. start off with what philly got um yeah we, we did mention cutter about him from a hockey sense since he hasn't played in the nhl yet um but drysdale um goes to philadelphia uh he has the thing with drysdale is yeah he was a a pick in the i think it was the 2020 draft i think it was like ninth overall sixth overall um I, let me look here it was, I, oh, it six, was overall. six overall. Be, I remember very vividly uh, because Jake Sanderson of the Sens yeah. was taken one pick before him. Yep. And my next door neighbor is a huge Jamie Drysdale guy, and he uh, was super mad at Dorian for uh, passing on Drysdale to Jake Sanderson. Yeah, so, um, okay. Yeah, so I, I got it exactly. It was a six overall pick. I'm, I'm impressed with myself for knowing that. Um, I think... Was was no J, uh, Zegers was a draft before I think. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was draft before. I think. I think he was a ninth overall pick, Zegers. Ninth but... overall, I think, was Rossi because Quinn went eighth. Jack Quinn went eighth. All right, well, I have to look at that when when you talk about this, but, uh, but in any case, uh, Drysdale was a high draft pick as well. Um, the thing with him though is that um, he he's been injured a lot the last couple of years. Um, or at least this season and last season. Um, he didn't even, he played in eight games last year, uh, zero points. Uh, he did just recently come back, um, and he played for Anaheim for 10 games. He had five points in those games. Um, and then, um, and then he's played for Philadelphia for two of these games now that he's been traded. He has two assists right now currently. Um, but overall, in 12 games this season, for both Anaheim and Philadelphia, he has seven points. Um, 
But the thing is, is that, like, it was kind of surprising to see Drysdale a little bit, but at the same time, Anaheim is rebuilding still. They also have uh, Pavel Minchukov, which we talked about last week because I was thinking, like, oh, hey, um, we. <laughs> what's funny is we talked about Drysdale and Cutter Gauthier last week, but we didn't know that they were both going to get traded for each other. But I had mentioned Pavel Minchikov um, as a Calder person, um, although mm-hmm. Minchikov... A nominee, particularly. Uh, yeah, a nominee, and then you kind of push back, saying like, oh, well, Drysdale's back in the mix because uh, he was taking more of a power play perspective there. Um, so Minchikov kind of was outplaying Jamie Drysdale, which was my point there, too. And even it, and yeah. and now Minchikov is injured now again, so uh, we might. Uh, it's I think he's six weeks out, um, but mm. but we'll see. Um, but even still, it's like the Ducks also have uh, Olin Zellweger in the system. They have Tristan Lunau in the system. Uh, Jackson Lacombe has played a couple of games in the uh, defense. It's like. Like, Anaheim does have a history of trading defensemen before they get good, like uh, Hampus Lindholm, uh, Brandon Montour, um, Shea Theodore is the most obvious one that I can't believe I <laughs> mentioned in third of this list. Um, there's <laughs> there's a few others uh, that Anaheim has traded away but um, and has kind of been a reason why they've gotten into this mess too. But at the same time, it's like uh, Olin Zellweger led the league or led the WHL um, in defensive points. He had the best season ever. Um, uh, Same with Minchukov in the OHL. Same with Tristan Lunau in the QMJHL. Um, There's a pretty good chance that like even one of those three are going to be pretty good um, and take over. Drew Ellison is an underrated defenseman in the system too. Jackson Lacombe like was really, had a really good NCAA season last year too. Um, so Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, the, the Anaheim did trade another defenseman and it looks like Jamie Drysdale is going to be pretty good. But at the same time, it's like they could afford to lose Jamie Drysdale. Um, because they Mm -hmm. have like one of the best prospect groups in the defensive rankings now. Um, so it's like they like even if Zellweger doesn't work out, they have Minchikov, and if Minchikov doesn't work out, they have Lunau, and if they if Lunau doesn't work out, they have Lacombe. You know, so they can kind of go down the list um, and and work it that way. So it might I I feel like it's going to um, I I um, so. So I, I guess I, I did mention that we were going to talk about Philly first, but I'm going to talk about Anaheim first. Um, I guess it makes sense to for Anaheim to do it just because of how many defensemen they have. Um, and then from the Philly side of things, it's like, yeah, they have Cam York. Uh, Travis Sanheim has kind of really picked up. I don't know if you realize this, but like Philly's actually in the playoff spot right now. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I, I feel like Torts will get Jack Adams. We didn't mention this last week, but Torts should be considered as a Jack Adams candidate because no one expected the Flyers to be. Yeah, um, I said he would get playoffs. some votes. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be season. top three, but I think he'll get votes. Yeah, he might. I, I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll get like the third. He'll finish in third, assuming Philly uh, finishes um, in the playoffs, of course. Um, but yeah. 
But I, I do think that Jamie Drysdale will be pretty good in Philly. And he, it's already working out for them. He has two points in two games already for them. It's like, yeah, it kind of sucks for me as a guy who has Cam York in two leagues. Um, but, um, but at the same time, it's like Drysdale um, is also like a pretty good defenseman. Um, and uh, I, I feel like this, uh, assuming Cutter Gauthier signs for with the Ducks, and we'll talk about that in a second. But um, I this could be a trade that's good for both teams. Um, so so yeah, we'll we'll see. And it's like for like a guy that the flat like uh, in Cutter Gauthier that wasn't gonna sign with them, like the Denny Briere did a really good job in getting the best that they could. Um, there were reports that there were two other teams that were interested in Gauthier. But they like the Drysdale one the best. I am kind of also intrigued by the fact that the Flyers also got a second overall, a second round pick um, as well with Drysdale, um, which is just interesting too because it's like you're you're trading two high caliber prospects. Um, so it's like weird to for the Flyers to also get a draft pick. But I guess maybe it's because Cutter Gauthier was signed so so much too but um but yeah I, I i i like this deal for both sides but yeah i think in the short term philly wins i think potentially in the long term the ducks will win see i think philly might win in the long term okay. just because that second round pick yeah, there's no guarantee the Ducks aren't going to be shit next year. <laughs> True, that could be a late first round pick value, and yeah. you can still get some pretty decent gems early in the second round. Braden Point uh, went well beyond that point mm-hmm. when he was drafted by Tampa. So you know, if if you have a good uh, scouting department, uh, you could turn that early second round pick into something very serviceable mm-hmm. at the NHL level. There's also the fact. That when Jamie Drysdale got drafted, talking about the Flyers first on my end of things, sure. look at his draft report from Elite Prospects in 2020. Brilliant skater who is capable of quarterbacking a power play with ease, generating results both ways through the neutral zone, more of a playmaker than a shooter. Oh, well. Um, adaptable first and foremost, huge at the NHL level. He's going to make the best decision regardless, huge at any level. Uh, no matter the situation, uh, if you're a guy like John Tortorella, who's very big on detail and protecting the puck, um, that's the kind of player you're looking for. And the main line that I really wanted to address, the only defenseman in this year's draft with clear number one defenseman upside. Philly just immediately got a young defenseman of the present and future with trading away a guy who made it very clear he wasn't going to play a game for them. Like, that's huge. Yeah. And this is only like four years removed from his draft year, pretty much. And Drysdale, the, the one negative that we probably have of him is he hasn't really been healthy recently. He played 81 games mm-hmm. his rookie year. He got 32 points. Um, he was a minus 26 because the Ducks were trash. Um, well, actually, that was that was his official rookie season, but he he had played uh, 24 games before that, and he and he still got eight points. Yeah. He played some time in the AHL, too, and he was looking pretty good. Uh, Last year, due to injury, he only played in eight games and got no points. And this year, uh, 
including his time at the Ducks and his two games with the Flyers. He has played in 12 games, and he has uh, seven points in those 12 games, uh, which, you know, over uh, is uh, the rest of this season, which is 51 games, he'd be projected for 30 points. 30 points in 51 games is solid numbers for a defenseman at any level, especially for a defenseman who is turning 22 in early April. Like, Jamie Drysdale's best years are 100% ahead of him, assuming, of course, he can stay healthy. That's the big question mark I have with him. But he's instantly making the Flyers better on the blue line, and over time, you're going to see that. And that second-round pick maybe could be a cool scoring winger yeah. like Cutter Gauthier. Maybe not the caliber of Cutter Gauthier, but still pretty effective. True. And I think more more so than a highly skilled forward, I think they need good young defensemen, not named Cam York. Right. And I think Drysdale is going to help with that. As for the Ducks, this is where this trade gets layers because – Yes, you're getting a guy like Cutter Gauthier. You hope to hell with the amount of assets you've had to dish out that he's going to sign a contract with you. And I would have hoped that uh, they got Cutter Gauthier's saying this, like, if we trade you to this place, are you going to sign a contract there? Because they're giving up an awful lot to get you. And I would hope the answer is yes, I'll sign. Mm -hmm. Because if he doesn't sign with the Ducks... They just gave up a young defenseman uh, with a lot of upside. You don't grow those on trees too often. And they also gave up a second-round pick that could be late first value because they suck and probably will continue to suck next year. Like, for a goal-scorer winger with a lot of potential, um, you don't just want to acquire the hopes of getting that guy you want to make sure you get that guy yeah and i was looking at the tsn trade bait board and i was looking at the anaheim ducks depth chart as well and the depth chart on the left wing they have frank vetrano god bless him he's he's got a good year 21 goals on a god awful ducks team he's 29 years old he's their top line left winger uh, Alex Kalorn also can play left wing. I think he's probably more of a right wing player on the Ducks right now. Yep. Um, the left wing option on the second line is Ryan Strom. He has 23 points in 39 games. That's not doing it. He's also 30 years old. Yep. All things considered, he's doing his best. But I think um, in the top six, you could do a bit better than that at the moment. And you also have Adam Henrique, who's played the left side and he's the center of that second line and uh, he's had uh, some struggles offensively over the past couple of years mostly since joining the ducks really um you have benoit olivier crew on the third line left wing currently and it says according to cat friendly he's more of a center so i'm not really sure how that's going to work he also has one assist in 24 games uh, you have a young guy in Isaac Lindstrom who apparently has left wing experience, but he's only played six games this year. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, the left wing side for the fourth line, you have a 29 year old Ross Johnston who has two assists in 30 games. Uh, also on that line, you have Jakob Silverberg on the right side who also has experience on the left, but he's a free agent after this year and he only has seven points in 41 games. 
I don't know if the Ducks are really going to bring him back after this season. Probably not. No. And then you look at, you know, the other guys that can play the left wing. Brock McGinn, who has been around the league, but is in the top six forward. Trevor Segris has been injured. Brett, as you mentioned off air, mm. uh, he's, yeah, he's we'll out. Talk about him soon. Again, he'll probably be missing several weeks. Um, Leo Carlson. They also have a bunch of other guys in the system that might turn into something, but I don't think are anything yep. of better go chase caliber. So he'll definitely get the ice time that he is looking for. But at the same time, you just traded away one of your best young defensemen. I, I know they have a lot, but you have a NHL ready defenseman today. He's already playing NHL games and you just trade him for an unsigned yeah. prospect for John Gibson, who is giving all of his limbs so you can just win a yep. game. What message is that sending him? What message is that sending the younger players where all they know is losing? And you look at Adam Henrique on the trade bait board and John Gibson on the trade bait board and Trevor Zegras yeah. on the TSN trade bait board. And I'm just thinking, long-term, what is the Ducks' plan here? So, long-term, I think... So, this is... I feel like you're thinking that, first off, like, Cutter Gauthier's... Like, he'll probably sign... If, if they do this, um, if he does sign there, and I guess it is a bigger risk, you do have a good point that they did have a bigger risk uh, by making this trade, the Ducks do, by sign, um, by tra making this trade, especially giving up the second round pick when they're uh, probably not going to, they're going to be a lottery team, uh, let's just say. However, uh, you didn't. You. I don't think you mentioned uh, they have Mason McTavish, who's starting to have a breakout year. Troy Terry, mm -hmm. yeah. he's been very good. Uh, you have uh, Trevor Zegers. I know he's been injured, and when he's been healthy, he has like seven points in twenty games. Um, clearly, yeah. he like there was some injury issues or uh, things like that, and apparently he was. Uh, I was he, mostly addressing the places where. Yeah. Uh, got a no, list no, of I guys could be in Cutter Goche's way for a left wing spot. That's why I didn't was, mention the other guys. Fair, fair. Because they were but, left wingers. But it goes to my point here, is that the in terms of like, because like you have to think about like the Ducks are clearly in rebuild mode. Uh, they're yeah. not like they probably could care less about um, how they do like in the standings. They they're not making the playoffs. They know that. They're more focused well, yeah. on seeing if they can get uh, Macklin Celebrini, if they can get a Cole Yeiserman, um, if they can win the lottery. And But mm -hmm. even if they don't get uh, Macklin Celebrini or anything like that, the Ducks have one of the brightest futures um, in the entire league. I think you could make a pretty strong case about that. Because, yeah, you do have, like, like Leo Carlson's in the mix here. Uh, you have uh, Mason McTavish, uh, Trevor Zegris, and Cutter Gauthier now. You add him in. Um, and then, you know, Troy Terry, uh, we know what he can do. Uh, he's a little bit older than the other four guys that I mentioned. You, you, we can see what he can do. I imagine they're going to trade Frank Vetrano pretty soon. Um, maybe they tra try to trade Ryan Strom, although Ryan Strom and Vetrano can provide some good veteran experience for all these Strom is also on a longer contract yeah, than the Trano is. Yeah, that's fair too. But yeah, I do think that you do have a lot, lot of young guys, but you also want to have a mix of veterans too, so that you can have like some mentorship there going. 
Uh, I, so, and I just realized yeah. that it, it's like they pull off this trade, but at yeah. what cost? How many right. people just go, that's it, I'm done, get me out of here. But, like, let's say, like, I like I think, like, we can call this season for Zegris a wash. Like, I know that there's trade yeah. rumors. That's not happening. I just don't see it. I know he's injured and all that stuff. And apparently he was saying how upset he was. Like, I didn't know that Drysdale and Zegris were so close. But apparently, because of the contract negotiations that both of them were having over the season and the fact that they were both injured at the same time, Zegris said it's like, we ate together, we peed together, we slept together. Yep. Uh, they did everything together, so he's going to miss uh, Jamie Drysdale. But, um, and I think that also added fuel to the the trade rumors but um but i just don't see how that would work and i know he's struggling but... i think more so to john gibson it hurts more because it's just like oh great right, an right. nhl caliber defenseman that right. actually helps me is now but, but here's the great. thing my gaa is going up even higher now but here's the thing about the ducks is that like i was just talking up like all the defensive prospects that they have going on and like i just talked about all the young guy forwards that they have and yeah you mentioned john gibson but they also have Lucas Dostal. Um, so it's like... Yep, they do. And so, like, all three positions in the system, in terms of prospects, like, yeah, like, like right now, it's like, yeah, it's, it's terrible, and I agree with you. Like, in the short term, it's not looking good. But there's a pretty good chance that the Ducks could win the lottery or be one of the top three picks this year. Um because they'll probably be one of the worst teams in the league, or at least like a top 10 pick, and they can get like a decent forward there. And that would be, like, yeah. let's say they get Macklin Celebrini. You have Celebrini, you have Zegris, you have McTavish, you have Leo Carlson, you have Cutter Gauthier, and you have Troy Terry. That's a pretty yeah. good top six. And like three of those yeah. guys, and Zegris, McTavish, and um, Troy Terry have all proven what they can do. And then you add, like, Cutter Gauthier, and, uh, like, I'm just assuming they get Celebrini, but if, even if they don't have Celebrini, you can add, like, another... <laughs> Those lottery another, balls yeah. are unforgiving yeah. SOBs, Brad. Exactly. That's not easy guaranteed but like, to make. But, like, even if they don't win the lottery, like, you could just get, like, a pretty good guy for your top six. Yeah. Like, that's, that's yeah, really, really... Like, that's a really good position to get into and by the way it's kind of funny too because trevor zegris had an incredible world juniors mctavish had an incredible world juniors now uh, leo carlson had an incredible world juniors and now they add cutter gauthier who had an incredible world, world juniors so i guess they like just love the world juniors um we're gonna get all american forwards yeah. and and zellweger was good in the world juniors too it's like uh so like they just love the world juniors i guess the ducks um, but in any case, it's like, like they they are pretty much set up for the long term. I mean, you could make a case that like, yeah, we haven't seen Cutter Gauthier play in the NHL, but I do think that he's going to be pretty good um, and um, like or like decent enough to make this trade worth it. I I do agree with you that the second round pick is a little bit much, um, but at the same time. Like, I, I feel like that might have been the clincher for Danny Briere. Because um, who knows what mm -hmm. the other teams were uh, were offering. And um, Now I'm curious yeah. to know what the other teams were. Yeah. We'll never find out. We'll, we'll, we'll probably eventually find out, but yeah. And so... Run down the list of teams who desperately need young goal. Yeah. 
right, right. Scoring the Washington Capitals, man. They I was thinking, they might be a team that fits the only, that profile. The only one I was thinking of was the Columbus Blue Jackets because they have a plethora of defensemen. Yeah. Um, and, and they would they probably use... have high second round picks like the Ducks because yeah, no exactly. one expects anything of them. So th- that was the one that stood out to me. But yeah, apparently there were two other teams that were interested there too. So like I, I feel like that that was probably the other factor too is like, yeah, they probably like I don't think they needed to get the second round pick, but um but maybe that like and I feel like just to add to this like Zegris trade rumors, I feel like Zegris is the face of the franchise right now, and that could be a high selling point for Cutter Gauthier to sign in Anaheim. And I don't, like, I know that there were concerns with, uh, and who knows what was said with Zegris when he was signing this contract just before the season. Um, so who knows what was said and all that stuff. And um, But at the same time, like, I feel like, like Cutter Gochi is going to be like, hey, I want to play with Trevor Zegris. I want to play with the guy who does the Michigan. I want to, you know, I want to play with that guy. Um, and um, and then if they trade Zegris, I mean, I guess it depends on what they can get for him because Zegris probably has a high trade stock. And, you know, the only player in this league that's untradeable is, um, is Connor McDavid. Um, so like I, I would never say it's like I don't think it's like a hundred percent he's not getting traded. I just don't see how why you would even do that if I'm uh, Pat Verbeek. Um, so so from that angle, I don't get it, especially now that he's injured um, and getting surgery. Um, I assume that we'll just like that's gonna be it for him for the rest of the year, even though the timetable is six to eight weeks. But like if I were the ducks, I'd be like, all right, let's just call the season a wash. Uh, and like get Zegers prepared for next season or something like that. Um, but yeah, the see, it's the, the other thing, Brett, though, is like if if you're a GM, and this is why young players don't get traded very often unless you know they're a top five pick and they don't want to, you know, lose a guy for nothing because, you know, (laughs) for, for, for obvious reasons, they're not, they're not going to play a game for you. You have no choice, but to trade him. But like, if you trade a guy like Trevor Zegers way too early in his career and he becomes exactly what you think he's going to be. And you, you know, you got to be sure that you get the timing right. And like you said, this season's probably a watch for Zegers. He'll probably have a bounce back campaign and if you trade him down the line, he could even get you a better return than what he could get you right. today. I think if you're going to trade a young player like Trevor Zegris, you need to really make sure where your team is at. And there are just a lot of unknowns uh, for the Anaheim Ducks. Let's say 18 months from now, they're still not making the playoffs, but their team is more established and their top six is looking good. Their defense is still a wreck, though, and their goaltending, you're still not sure what you're going to get. Maybe John Gibson is still there, or maybe yep. Lucas Jostal is the guy, um, and he's still you know, trying to find his way into the NHL. And you're trying to find out, okay, well, what pieces do I need to give my team a fighting chance to do something? And maybe by trading Trevor Zegers to get those pieces – um, you, you kind of further establish your team, but you're not really going to know what those 
future weak points are until you you know give these guys a chance to play and see what they can really do and i just don't think this team has grown and matured enough yet where you can feel comfortable in trading a young player like a trevor segrest yeah i also I'm also thinking, you know, maybe things turn around and he is part of the future after all. And just thinking of even trading him is just of absolute stupid idea. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, the only reason why I think you would trade Zegris is if he was genuinely upset about the Drysdale trade and there's other yeah. things that were said in the contract negotiations that we weren't mm-hmm. aware of. Because um, Drysdale so, was also involved in contract negotiations right, that same time. extended deep into the summer. Yeah, and, and same with Zegris too. They signed at around yeah. the same time, and it was pretty late. Like it was in the middle of training camp too. So yeah, um, exactly. So so like we don't know what was said. So I think that would be the only reason why I would trade him is like a Patrick Line situation back when he was in Winnipeg where. It was like clear that it wasn't like just line A was unhappy or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. that would be the only reason why I think I would do it. Um, but then at the same time, like I would only trade Zegris if I know the like there's like a. I, I can't even. I'm trying to think of like what kind of return would make it worth it for a guy like Trevor yeah. Zegris. And I'm not even really sure. So, um, so again, like, I, I guess I'm not like opposed to it now that I think about it, but I just don't, I don't get the logic behind it, especially now that he's injured and you're training him at his lowest point. Like if you were training Mm -hmm. him like right after he scored that, like, uh, that assist, (laughs) that flying assist thing in his rookie year, that was at his highest point. Um, but now that he's injured, he hasn't had a great season so far. Yes, he did have 60 points on a terrible Ducks team last year and was your best skater. But this is a new coach. He hasn't been playing that well. So maybe there is something there. But I think I would still wait it out even still, especially now that he's injured. And it's not like you're truly competing this year anyways. So like you just might as well see what you have. Um eventually or just you know kick it down the line um for that yeah plus until further notice trevor zegris is probably still one of those players you're better as a team if you have him on your team as opposed to like trading him away unless the return isn't blowing you away it's just like yeah i could definitely see this making our team better for the long term hands down hit send yeah like then what do you do in trading them right yeah also like you're not like like, I, I know that GMs probably, like, don't necessarily think of it from, like, a marketing standpoint, but you would lose a lot of Ducks fans if, yep, <laughs> if you would. trade Zegris because he's by far the most popular player on the team right now. You play that yeah. you play that All-Star Game clip where he's yeah. in that dodgeball outfit or whatever, yeah. and he's, I think he's blindfolded, and he yeah. pull, pulls off whatever the heck a move that kind of was. Yeah. You're willing to walk away from that. Yeah, exactly. You sure about that? Right, right, right. So it's like, yeah, I don't, like, I know that, so I just call the season a wash. I just wouldn't, I would, yeah, I, I, you see, like, and if he continues to struggle when he's healthy next season, then yeah, maybe you think about it. But, uh, but right now, I don't, I don't think you do it. Um, 
That right. being said, that being said, though, real talk, if there is a chance that Trevor Zegers goes to the Boston Bruins, oh. uh, would you take that deal? And what would your price tag be? 100%. <laughs> I mean, I was trying not to be biased here, but Trevor Zegers is my favorite pl- non-Bruins player currently. So, um, so yeah, I would uh, I would take him in a heartbeat, especially since he went to BU. He He's like a hometown guy. Um, I would probably trade, I mean, it's, it's hard to really know because obviously like I wouldn't trade Posternak, I wouldn't trade Marshawn or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would, I would trade a decent amount, whatever I could to, to get Zegris, but of course it would have to be reasonable as well. Um, I, I would give up David Krejci and Tuka Rask <laughs> and, Patrice and their eventual yeah. retirement banners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I trade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, you can have Prime 2011 Tim yeah. Thomas on your team yeah. right now, except it's not 2011. <laughs> right, right. And it's like twelve years later, it does, thirteen years later, it does feel like Sweeney and Pat Verbeek are good trading partners, anyway. So yeah, I would be cool with that. Yeah, they got they got Hampus Lindholm from the Ducks. Yep. They got and Nick um, Ritchie back in the day. Nick Ritchie back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, um, they, they had some trade history. Uh, yeah, Urho Vakanainen went the other way. Um, so Andre Kasha from the Andre Ducks Kasha too. I think one. was yep. another one. Yeah, that's another one. Um, so yeah, there's been a few in recent memory. So, um, yeah, in any case, uh, we should get going, uh, cause all right, let's start the rapid fire. Cause we only have one news story on this rapid fire. It's kind of funny too. Cause this yeah, had there been... might be a few small items if we have yeah. time, but we'll, mostly just we'll this see. One, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of funny too. Cause so William Nylander signs an eight year contract worth 11.5 million. I had, like, once this happened, I was like, because this had been kind of leaked for a couple weeks, I had assumed that this would be the main topic right away. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, we can, I can prepare for that, um, and we can talk about it. But mm-hmm. then, like, the trade <laughs> that trade happens the next day, and I'm like, oh, God, now I just have to hope, we have to hope for no other big hockey story to happen, and thankfully that, that happened. So, um, so we have a full 15 minutes to talk about William Nylander right now. Um, yeah, so he signs an 11.5 million, uh, annual average value deal eight years. Um, it's, uh, the richest, uh, contract so far for a winger. I, sh- you should keep in mind here that the cap is going to go up. So, uh, so it's like that, Without that, I feel like Toronto may not have been as bold to do it right now. Um, but at the same time, uh, William Nylander is uh, is on a he, he's having a career year right now. Um, he has fifty seven points in forty games. He did have a pretty good season last year um, as well. Um, but yeah, so right now he has 57 points in 40 games. I'm seeing here is that I didn't even realize this, but he's not even on the same line as Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. I mean, yeah, he has John Tavares as his center and Tyler Bertuzzi as his, uh, other winger, but, um, but yeah, he's doing this without the other two best players on the team. And, you know, obviously Tavares is no slouch either, but, 
Um, but yeah, I didn't even put that together that Nylander is doing this without Matthews on his side. So it's not like he's reliant on Austin Matthews here. Um, and uh, so I'm like, you know, I, I, when I first heard this, I was like, is William Nylander really worth $11.5 million, making him the richest con- contract? Um, like, is he really worth that much? Like, that would mean that he, I think, like, he's better than David Pasternak. He's better than Artemi Panarin. Um, obviously, no. He's, he's not better than Pasternak or Panarin. But, like, he is doing really, really well. Um, and he has really, like been like a key part or a big reason why the Leafs have been so good um and I I feel like yeah you could probably trade him somewhere else and Nylander would get a lot of money elsewhere um but at the same time if the cap is going to go up then yeah I I think this is definitely a worthwhile trade um or a signing I should say um and I also should mention that, like, uh, so Marner is going to be a free agent in two years. Uh, John Tavares is also going to be a free agent in two years. Um, and then you have Bertuzzi, uh, Max Domi as a UFA, Bobby McMahon. I don't even, I didn't even realize that's a real guy. You know that, like, EA Sports, <laughs> like, create a player. It sounds like a, like a made-up name like that. Joe McCool Yeah, yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick... <laughs> Nick Robertson and Noah Gregor are RFAs as well next year. Um, and then on the defensive side of things, you have TJ Brody, you have Mark Giordano, William Lagason. Um, then you have Ilya Samsonov, who I guess is playing tonight, uh, by the way. Uh, he was waived, but now he's back up. Um, and Martin Jones is also a UFA. So of that free agent list, yeah, like Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, but both are not great and when you sign them like I had assumed those guys would be one-year rentals anyways um but like like already like I I feel like what's gonna happen and I'll give it to you uh, obviously um after this point but like I like I I'm like looking back at how the Lightning have built their teams how the Washington Capitals have built their teams how uh the Vegas Golden Knights have built their teams recently like, all those teams, like, they kind of give contra- long-term contracts to their players, um, and and then, but, like, you know, like, no one really cares about them right now just because they've won a cup, and, um, like, yeah, they're horrific contracts, but it's, like, explanatory because it's, like, they've won a cup. So, I feel mm-hmm. like this is really what it's relying on. If the Maple Leafs win the cup in the next year or uh, or even next year when they still will have Marner and Tavares on contract, then this William Nylander contract is worth it. If they don't win a cup at all um, in the nine years that William Nylander is going to play or, you know, for the rest of this time, um, then, yeah, it's not worth it at all. Um and the fact that William Nylander is 27, by the time this contract uh, starts, he's going to be 28. You still have to sign Mitchell Marner um, uh, a few years after that. <laughs> if they can. If they can. If. if they can. I would assume they can because the cap will just be going up and up. Um, and <laughs> I, I feel like you would, 
you would just get rid of John Tavares at the same time because that's also Tavares. Gonna... I think would probably be willing to take a home down discount to come yeah, back, but they're definitely fair. keeping him for his current cap hit. That, no question. Yeah, so so that will definitely help them too. So it's like. I, I think the bigger question is, is like, what are they going to do in goal? Because, like, yeah, Martin Jones mm-hmm. has been, you know, Martin Jones has been okay. We'll see what Samsonov can do um, now that he's called back up. But it's like, I, I don't know what they're going to do on that on that side of things. Um, so, yeah, but, like, yeah, they're going to be in cap hell for the rest of the time. But at the same time, they'll, they'll get some cap relief uh, because the cap is going to go up in the next few years, especially next year. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, they're kind of like, it's how the, the Oilers cap situation is, it's going to be involved as well. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just something to, you have to think about of like, all right, it's it, like, it doesn't make sense right now. Um, I just assume that like by the end of Kaprizov's next contract, by the end of like any of these wingers, like, they'll just be like, hey, look at what William Nylander got. I'm better than William Nylander. We're going to get paid more. So, by the, like, maybe in a year from now, we're going to be like, okay, yeah, um, William Nylander is, like, the third highest paid winger. Or, like, in two years, it's it's not going to look as crazy as it does right now. Which is going to suck for Toronto because just think about all the players are just like, okay, yeah. well, if we can't re-sign Mitch Marner, maybe we'll go after this guy. Oh, he wants yeah. a lot of money too. Well, shit. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the problem we've dug ourselves in, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they are in some triple, but I, I don't know. I feel like they're not, like, compared to, like, a few years ago, um, they're not in as much cap hell as they are right now. I think there are bigger concerns about their goaltending situation, but maybe, <laughs> but we'll see what happens there. Also, the guy... So- Oh, sorry, yeah, you can go, and then I'll, I'll talk after that. Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll make this quick as I can. No, it's uh, So the other thing, enough. as you mentioned, Brett, is filling out the roster. And you mentioned this year and next year being, you know, their prime years to win. I'd argue it's this year only because now, on top of the Marner and Tavares cap hits that are still in effect next year, you also have to pay Matthews his next contract right. and Neilander. So all of the money that's coming off of the LTIR, such as Matt Murray, John Klingberg, Jake Muzzin, that's only probably going to be feeding the new contracts you're going to be giving out. And then after that, it's also, okay, well, what are we going to do about our defense? There's TJ Brody, who um, a lot of people say isn't what he was, but he's probably maybe still our best shutdown defenseman. Mark Giordano isn't really cutting it. He's out of the lineup tonight, I think, because of healthy scratch. Um, There's also, you know, Jake McCabe, who's on the affordable contract, but is he really doing enough? There's also Timothy Lilligren, who is on a short-term deal. If he ends up being exactly what you think he is, you're going to have to be paying him some money down the line on top of, you know, the other defensive prospects that you have that you might have to somehow eventually pay in a couple of years because somehow that'll be a problem too. Um, you also have, you know, young forwards like Matthew Nice. I know he had a rough patch yep. uh, against the Avs a couple nights ago, but he's still 
one of their best young forwards, they're probably going to have to keep him around. And if he continues to evolve his game, that next contract might be pretty pricey. And then there's Joseph Wool, who, you know, if he comes back and he's healthy and he plays like he was before he got injured, he was giving the least a chance to win every night, head and shoulders above Ilya Samsonov. What's his next contract going to be down the line over the next eight years? That cap hit's probably going to be going up. And so it comes back to, does this model work? A question I asked when they re-signed Matthews to that big contract. And the reason why I was making those remarks is that game against Colorado, where they're up three to nothing. Funny enough, they scored those three goals with Hmm. no assist going to anyone. All three goals unassisted. And they blow that three-goal lead over the course of the next 40 minutes. Uh, There were... um, quite a few uh, notable uh, players spending more time on the bench than on the ice for uh, the final 20 minutes. Uh, Tavares' ice time was lower than it should have been. Bertuzzi's was way, 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 way down. Matthew Nyes, as I said, didn't have a good night. So his ice time was a bit lower. Um, On the back check for, I think it was the fourth abs goal late in the third period, Uh, Matthews and Nylander were nowhere to be seen seconds before uh, the goal was scored. So they're kind of caught on the back check and they couldn't get back in time. Uh, And uh, then in like 20 seconds left to go in the game, I think it was Tavares, Nyes, and Gregor that was tasked to make something happen for Toronto with 20 seconds left in a one goal game. And the only reason I know is because Steve Dangle went on a rant on his latest video about it. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs at why Sheldon Keith should be ashamed to show up in the locker room the next day Mm. because like, Oh, preaching accountability, accountability, take your ice away. Expect, except when I need something in the final 30 seconds, then I'll put those guys out and hopefully things will be different. I just don't see how all of that money going to four different guys is going to make the team of teams a Stanley Cup champion. That's my main complaint with signing Willie Nylander. The other thing about Willie Nylander and in terms of living up to the contract is he is playing at a guy that can make $11.5 million today, but he is going to have to play on David Pasternak's level, on Neil. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl's level, name your star player that's within that threshold, he's going to have to play at that potential for the bulk of that contract in order for that contract to be considered worth it. He can't just be last year's Willie Nylander. He needs to be putting up these numbers every single year because if he doesn't and you have to trade him, let me remind all the Toronto Maple Leafs out there, this would be my final point, he has a no-move clause the entire length of the contract. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess this could end up poorly, especially since he's 27 and it'll be 28 when the, he signs, when it's officially this contract. And yeah, I guess you do have a good point because they like if they win the Cup this season, then it's great. But like, yeah, I forgot that Matthews also has the extension mm-hmm. next year as well that's going to be an increase too but like even still it's like i feel like the leafs have been in this situation for the last couple of years it's just funny now because the and that was my other point that i was about to make uh right after 
you started talking, and I was like, oh, I should have mentioned this as well, but <laughs> Brad Treliving um, is the GM, and mm-hmm. uh, what he did when he was in Calgary was he traded for Jonathan Huberdeau. Of course, he, um, you know, he traded away Matthew Kachuk, and Matthew Kachuk just wanted out of Calgary, so uh, he got the best, and in hindsight, it was a really good deal um, at the time, so like, it's all right. That, that, they, they did a lot for that, but then he immediately signs uh, an eight-year deal worth like uh, like eleven million or ten million. No, ten point five. It was 10, the same contract. 10, basically, they were going to give Johnny yeah. Gaudreau, which right. he then rejected. Right. So they also traded and signed Mackenzie Weger not long after to yeah, a contract, and he's getting a lot of money too. Yeah. So he like like it's just funny that this is like like in hindsight it did not look good, but at the same time it's like who. Like we had assumed that Huberto would be at least a little bit better um, than he was in um, uh, now currently. Although I think Huberto has been getting on the score sheet a little bit, but it's just it's just funny that like the GM to to uh, help them out was the the same guy who just handed out the worst contract in the league right now. <laughs> so, also, I know the timer just went off, but yeah. I wanted to mention that William Nealander's salary bonus for the entirety of this contract is $69 million. Yeah. Nice. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, that is nice. Um, but yeah, I guess just to reiterate, uh, I know the timer's off, but I just wanted to mention that just the, I guess the summary of this all thing is that if the Leafs win the cup this year, it's going to be worth it. If they don't yeah. win the cup, it's not going to be worth it. So that's Yeah, that's it's really the Kawhi effect. He was only yeah. here for... One year, but he got the Toronto Raptors fans what they've yeah. been wanting their entire lives. They they got to see yep. their NBA team win a title. And we didn't need 15 minutes to tell you that. Um, <laughs> but uh, in, in any case, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Um, you can also subscribe to us on or follow us on Twitter at Lisa Podcast. Um, and yeah, our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in episode 396 of the Lace Them Up podcast. Oh, and a happy MLK Day as well. <laughs>